Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 465, uh, a little bit later than usual. Well, not that much later than usual. We're often a little bit tardy, but uh, had a big technical meltdown and I had to reboot everything. So it was a bit of a rush to, to get here. So for those of you who are watching that, I hope it was of some amusement to you <laughs> to you of my panics. But then nonetheless, uh, you're probably wondering what I'm wittering on about. We are Sonic Talk, the podcast to do with music production, music technology, performing live with electronics, software, uh, acoustics, whatever you like, anything to do with music production or whether it be recording or live or in the studio any of those things that's what we're here to talk about so if you like the sound of that or you still like it after you've been listening to us for a while please do subscribe uh, youtube subscribe button should be around here somewhere and uh, it's always welcome and we are heading to the hundred thousand subscribers and i'd really like to get that one because i think you get a little gold button and i can just see a place for it on the wall there somewhere but we'll see anyway um i, I want to say thank you to our sponsors uh isotope oh, excuse me we'll be hearing from them a little bit later on in the show uh they're giving away a copy of um vocal synth of all things and uh, we'll also be announcing the winner from last week where you had the chance to win a copy of vocal synth we got another winner this week so uh, let's say hello to all our guests i'm going to start over here with mr ty unwin who is uh, back in full hd now he's completely ripped out the family network and nobody's watching uh, tv or anything just so that he can talk to us what do you say folks how are you ty I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm actually I'm tired, but it's, that's boring me saying that. So I'll what um, else is new? I'll make exactly. <laughs> so I'll make it. No, I'm full of life. I'm full of beans. Yeah, hey, excellent. Have you, so uh, you've been doing anything particularly exciting uh, um, this week? I guess you know deadlines abound and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, just it's just I'm trying to catch up on TV stuff because uh, I spent so long doing midgy stuff that it's. Um, that was kind of all-encompassing, so uh, that's all gone on just hold just for a few days while I catch up on TV stuff. Ah, okay. So, so it's all good. Excellent. But, Bought any new synths recently? I've well, I told you I've yes. So <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Oh, do tell, do tell. So well, things I've ordered. Uh, so I've got on order. I've got the obviously I've got the Lyra Eight. Oh yeah. I've got oh I've got the uh, System Eight. Um, I've got the Korg ARP module. Ah, you ruined uh, I thought for a minute we were going, heading yes. towards a, a grease-like, systematic, you know, <laughs> automatic, and we could have got into, uh, uh, what's that? What's the song that they do? It's uh, uh, Grease, Grease Lightning. Lightning. Grease Lightning. Never mind. Yeah. Synth Lightning. Off you go. Mm. Systematic, and then, Lyra, and... Uh, the Korg thing, the, the, and uh, a VPO three. Ah, okay. Um, ah. I've just got a, just got a TR eight, and uh, finally decided that I've had a I've had a, a, sl- a sledge black on approval, and I just bought that as well. And <laughs> there's something. Oh, and the Mermix has arrived, but that's a long story. Whoa! But, yeah, so we'll talk about that. Uh, wow! So, yeah, so, so pretty so, busy. Well, mind you, this I would like to add. This isn't since last week because obviously that would be really <laughs> no, no, no. excessive. Maybe this is, no, this, a month this or is about so. A month. Yeah, it's about a month. Yeah. And and to be fair, for those of you people thinking, what on earth? Ty works incredibly hard doing some doing stuff. So this is kind of like a release for you, and also Absolutely. very useful in your work, which, as you can yes. see, is uh, music composing and uh, just where things have to be just so right. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, absolutely you should hire me to justify these purchases to your wife as well because i could i i, I, be, I make you know, a pretty good I am, case <laughs> i am the luckiest soul on earth she never questions a single thing not Excellent. a single not a single thing 
Excellent. Do you get them delivered to a, pro- a separate address and sneak them in oh, via yeah, a tunnel? Completely. She knows, doesn't know about them. That's why she doesn't question a single thing. She, she thinks I'm a plumber. So, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> anyway, Ty, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we'll also go to Mr. Gaz Williams, who we haven't seen for, uh, well, it feels like a long time, but I'm sure it's not. It's always with, uh, with my thoughts, at least. How are you, Gaz? Bass player, <laughs> producer, music technologist, all those things. Yeah, great. Yeah, had a great weekend. Um, uh, I did a brilliant gig in Edinburgh in the museum, oh. in like the big room in the museum. It I was, saw, uh, I saw some photos. It looked fantastic. Although nineteen uh, seconds of reverb. <laughs> well, I think the way that they sort of got around that was by not having it, you know, by trying to keep it as quiet as possible and it still being loud enough. Um, I think that was sort of the only way to deal with it, really. Um, but the audience really did sort of kind of cluster as close as possible. Um, but it really nearly didn't happen either because uh, on the day uh, <laughs> we'd, uh, we'd we had like a tour bus o- uh, overnight to get up there. And um, so everybody was a bit stinking coming off the bus or wanted a shower. So we booked into a hotel just to get showered. And uh, and they were hotels going, uh, sorry, there's no water. Oh my and there God. was no there was no water in all of Edinburgh city because the main water supply had got uh, had burst. And then I think loads of sediment had got into the water supply as well. So, oh um, and then, uh, we went for a, a meal with the, the organizers and we were, uh, uh, and literally they were on tenterhooks because it was, uh, touch and go, and, you yeah. know, it was touch and go. They were going to have to cancel it because the water supply had all been, uh, you know, uh, contaminated. Uh, and uh, but yes, you got they, there in uh, the end. They, they got it there in the end. But my mind was blown on Sunday night in Cafe Otto in uh, in London when an ambition of mine was fulfilled and I got to see Magma live. Yes, ah, the, <laughs> Which, prog, uh, the prog specialists. Ah, uh, amazing, amazing. I mean, everybody, everybody listening, I command you to listen to all of Magma's back catalogue <laughs> over the next week. There we go. Would it take a week? <laughs> It would take about a week, wouldn't it? All those, all those gatefold, yeah. doubled, quadruple albums, concept <laughs> albums. Well, remember, Magma are the band. You know, you talk about concept albums, but Magma are the concept band. You know, all their songs were written. You know, they're all set on this planet in the in the future when the uh, humans had to leave the Earth because of environmental disasters um, and uh, settle on this planet called Kobayar. And so all the Magma albums are written in this language called Kobayan. Wow, which is, uh, that is conceptual. You know, it, uh, yeah, and it's great because, I mean, they, you know, that was like in 1969, 1970, and they have stuck to their guns wow. through thick and thin. Yeah. Which I is, imagine it's I, like I, Klingon, I, isn't it? Some people are fluent in it by now, so, yeah. Well, there is, uh, I, I have found online, uh, like, lexicon where you can kind of uh, learn all the language, and, and fans fans write to them in this language, and, uh, you know, it's... Um, but I just think Absolutely. it's amazing, you know, that, that like, you know, you have an idea for a concept album and the record company are desperately trying to talk you out of it, but they've managed to sustain this across their That's entire career. That's pretty impressive. They must have a pretty good salesman on board. Anyway, t- thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us. I should also say uh, hello to the chat room. Ah, yes, that's working at least. This is the live chat room in our own IRC channel in case you're wondering, uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live where you can watch the YouTube stream, but with our chat room, or if you like, you can watch 
the YouTube live stream with the YouTube chat room. It's hard to monitor both, but I will try and sort of dip in every once in a while. So, you know, post something. You might have to post it more than once for me to notice, but don't get cross because I'm a bit flustered. Anyway, we'll go now to our third guest, Mr. Charles Chicky Reeves, uh, sublime.uk, sublime-uk.com. I do beg your pardon. Uh, Charles is front of house engineer, studio engineer, um, as you can see, synth collection. You've got some very moody lighting, or is it? Uh, is it the time difference between here and London is now darker out there, or is it stormy? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really into lighting. In fact, I have those uh, almost all my lightings that uh, Phillips Living Color oh, yeah. lighting, so I can change the colors and you know, it's it all the rage. In here. What, yeah, it's now, now tell me, do you have a particular color for a particular purpose? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I. Part of it's I got into that because of the whole circadian rhythm stuff. So I have like a a morning color, I have a sunset color, you know, just to keep myself sane. But um, but I do find I like to mix in sunset, which is that sort of which is what it is now, that kind of orangey, the golden hour. Sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so I you're perpetually that. in the golden hour. Exactly. Does it stop exactly. you from aging as well? Has it got other restorative yes. properties? Well, it, it does that, and also I have a picture of myself hanging up in the attic that's, you know, that's aging. So. Uh, yes, excellent. Well, well, uh, literary, literary reference there. Yes, Mr. Dorian Gray. I, I, I did get it. Just about got through my uh, my uh, woolly head there. But uh, anyway, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, right, uh, we should probably get, crack on because uh, um, there are things to see, people to see, things to do. Uh, let's start with this one. This is uh, a video by a chap called... Uh, I think it's YY Quan, and it's a really good idea. 23 virtual pianos compared, some of them in the box, some of them in hardware. And literally there are, well, 23 of them. And he's a really good player. I mean, this is very cocktail bar music, but it, it, it's the sort of thing that you'd expect to have a grand pianist play. I think I don't know which the first one is because I can't actually get the web page up. I did go through and listen to a few, but there's uh, all sorts of stuff in there. Really good idea. I don't know whether he recorded this performance once and then revoiced it with all the pianos or whether he's actually that good that he played it 23 times almost identically, considering how flowery it is. But actually, I thought... There was a massive difference between lots of pianos. You might think, oh, what's the difference? But there are. There are lots of differences to do with things like phase and where the fundamental of the, t- of the notes were and stuff. I'm going to start with you, Ty, because I suspect you're... We have talked about piano libraries and what have you, and I suspect you have several of these. <laughs> Any in there that you were surprised by, if you got the chance to, to, um, to try them all? I think, yeah, I think there's... There were a few surprises. Um, the biggest surprise was... For me, the hardware, the motifs came out better than I expected them to, because obviously in terms of sample memory, they're a lot smaller than a lot of the uh, in the box ones. And they came out OK. They, you know, they they weren't the best, but you actually think from a they were actually good. They were better than I thought they were going to be. I think there's a misconception here. It's a it's a bit like if you're um, I mean, I've said this so many times before, but, you know, I, I'm a, a pianist. You know, I, that's what I am. That's. I've been playing the piano since I can't remember, and um, so uh, so I've got you know in the in the house I've got a grand piano and I, and here I've got a V piano and or I've got so many they're all eighty eight note controllers and I've got I'm really fortunate enough to have all the you know so dozens of piano libraries, and the great thing about it is is that people need to realise that 
pianos, real pianos, all sound different. They're, it's like guitars. It's like me from, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not that who fade with guitars, but I know for a fact that, you know, a Telecaster is going to sound different to a Strat, which is going to sound different to a Les Paul. And different, which is going to sound and different, different years and different models and all uh, that sort of stuff, yeah. Absolutely. But people still have this thing that they think, you know, unless you know, they think a piano is a piano. So when you load up, you know, GM preset number one and you get your piano, that's what a piano sounds like. Well, every single manufacturer of piano, every type of piano, even exactly the same pianos, but different serial numbers or different year, they all sound different. And the nice thing about having all these uh, libraries shown off is a lot of the time, it's not actually the quality of the sample library. It's not to do with whether this sound is a you know kind of a, uses more RAM and has more velocity switching and has and, and more layers and all that kind of thing. The, the, what it's really proven the point is that the pianos they sampled in the first place all sound different. You can hear some of the libraries that are more you know you can hear looping and you can hear the smaller libraries, but I think it's great to actually just get it out there that. Pianos sound different. And because people say to me all the time, why have you got so many sample piano sample libraries or so many pianos? It's because they do all sound different. And you can you can take one sound that will fit a track perfectly and then just change the sound of the piano or the kind of instrument or whatever. And it, can, you know, destroys the track. It doesn't work at all. So, um, so yeah, there were, but there were quite a, a few surprises. But there were also a load missed off a load yeah of, no i know, don't think that it wasn't con- uh, exhaustive list was it no no but I, I read lots of things going 23 why on earth are there 23 piano yeah, and there are so well, many more there are you know hundreds yeah it was and, missing um, art vistas vgp virtual grand piano which i know dave yeah, Spears is, is a fan the, of is it that's it that's a great library it's, it hasn't got the Hans zimmer piano you know the spitfire piano it hasn't got a lot of the 8do pianos and the signed sound iron pianos and you know there's so many missing, but I think as an idea, it's great. I think it's brilliant that yeah. people can sit and you find the one that you listen to and go, "Oh, I like the sound of that one." Yeah, you know. So I absolutely agree. It is really, and it was quite interesting. I mean, I I I went through and I just kind of was. I was doing it a bit like Tinder. I was just kind of going, "Yeah, no, yeah, oh yeah," and made note of that. You know, just kind of, I couldn't swipe. Tinder, obviously. what's Tinder, Nick? I, I don't, don't know. I've heard it somewhere <laughs> where you can quickly make decisions about. I've oh, no Ty, it's a bit like Grinder. <laughs> oh, okay, that's right. <laughs> now I know. Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> ah, excellent. Uh, Gaz, I, I, I don't know. Do you have a plethora of pianos? I mean, do, there were some. That, what I noticed was quite a lot of differences in the kind of the, the phase of the piano. You know, some sounded very mono, some sounded very wide, some sounded very thick, some sounded very thin, some sounded clicky. Whatever. Any particular standouts for you? Um. Well, I, I, com- I was interested to see how the uh, the key the keyscape keyscape yeah. compared to uh, and that was a what was that a Yamaha C seven C seven and there was another there was another one wasn't there uh, a propeller heads one of the same model um, yeah so I was I was interested like comparing those two just to see um, and I thought that still yeah they're much of a muchness in a way I thought they both sounded really good um, I'm uh, I mean I'm I. The one I always love, and it's the one that most people hate, is Piano Tech. You know, I, I just love Piano Tech. Um, well, that's the semi-modelled one, isn't it? That's got uh, a slight footprint, right? Well, it's completely oh yeah, yeah, it's tiny. completely modelled, right? Yeah, yeah, completely modelled. Yeah, uh, and I always enjoy that because I think it's. Um, Do you have a sneaking I, I, joy of the fact that you know it's so efficient? 
You're, every it's, night it's, you're going. It's, that, it's, it's partly that. I, I think it's, it's just. I think it's just the fact that it's all being generated in real time, and that you're not you're not triggering discrete sample layers, and the and that it's not you know replaying something that happened somewhere else, but it's happening there and then. I don't know. There's something sort yeah. of almost like, like a spiritual dimension to it, which I, I quite like. That's um, a fair point. <laughs> it, it's a bit uh, like there is a lot to be there is a lot to be said for the modelled stuff because as I said I've got I've got a V piano and anyone that's played a V piano there's something about it um, that I had this conversation with another composer when it first came out is that when you play sampled pianos um, compared to playing a real piano you almost when you play a, a long chord as the sound is decaying as it's dying away it doesn't have that natural beating that a real piano will have if you're playing with samples. It doesn't have that natural beating and, and you, you, the decay feels quite sterile. And so what, as a pianist, what you tend to do is when you're playing samples, you have a natural tendency to want to fill in that space because as it's decaying, it doesn't feel, ah, as it, as it doesn't feel warm. It feels like you need to kind of fill in and do something. The great thing about the V piano with the modelling on it is the fact that it's one of the only instruments where if you play the chord you get that natural beating and it feels like a real instrument. Ah. And although sometimes, as the rest, you know, the rest of the instrument, it doesn't feel the most natural sound, in terms of when you're playing very sparse stuff, you play stuff on the V piano in a way that you always have a lot more space, as you would on a real piano, compared to having samples, because of the beating of the, of the decay. Ah, that's a very valid point. Charles, Mr. Chicky Reeves, yes. your feeling about it. Are you a piano collector, virtual piano collector, or or, or real piano collector, even? Uh, both. Both. Two pianos, uh, a Steinway D, and then a, um, and an, an old upright from the early uh, or early 1900s. Um, I, I use those quite a bit, but, you know, I tell you, you, like, because it's so much easier to use soft sense or soft, soft bass piano. I'll use Ivory, I use Reason pianos, and I always seem to use the uh, Abbey Road pianos from um, that are for like it's a, a Propeller Heads refill. I love the sound of that. The Mrs. Mills piano. Oh, uh, Mrs. The, Mills, yeah, uh, Chell yeah. piano. Mrs. Mills is quite honky tonk, isn't it? It is, but you know, like I just did a blues album, and in that blues album, that was the perfect piano for the whole album. Ah. Um, and we had thought about using the, my upright for it, but you know what? That just sounded so much better. And you can also choose the mics and, and so forth. It, it's re recorded, you know, multi-channel, and you can just sort of fade things in. Um, but you know, going back to what you're talking about, how so many pianos sound different. Yeah, each each piano does sound different uh, in in this collection. And the the some of that comes from obviously some of it's modeled and so forth. But the the ones that are sample based pianos, you know, that there are so many variables there, like how close you mic it, you know, what kind of mics you use. Um, you know, and I, uh, I think I told you, I just did this thing with, uh, Al Schmidt down in, in, uh, in France. And like, I was really surprised the way he mics a piano is really far away. Like you'll have like a, um, uh, Gefell mic on the top and then a, uh, U47 on the bottom. And they're, I mean, they're like two feet away from the, from the strings, but it sounds beautiful, but it's a completely unique sound. You know, it doesn't sound like, Anything I else guess the, the room and the, the, the piano itself will make a massive difference in those instances. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. There was a couple of highlights in that. I, one thing uh, I, I was, uh, I probably didn't go with, so I thought the uh, Keyscape C7 did sound really good, actually. I know I'd been a little bit kind of pristine, thought it might be a bit, but it, it's, it just felt 
very uh very real and the other one uh, what was the other one the uh the props the propeller to yamaha c7 really sounded to me like i was in the room with a piano it had a, something about the ambience and the spacing just felt like i was standing or even at, at the playing position of a piano which i thought was pretty impressive sorry ty you're coming in no no i was only going to say have regard have you got has anyone got keyscapes no i'm afraid not no. okay keyscapes is is actually something quite special because I think when it got announced, I said that, you know, initially I was quite disappointed with the concept of it and until we heard the demos and the demos look great moment. So, uh, so I, I, I got it and I think, I think it needs to be kind of accepted what a, a kind of step forward this is really um, just in terms of piano sampling, because it's the first time the nearest I've come to it so far is with some of the Spitfire, with the Hans Zimmer, with the Spitfire library, um, which is in certain circumstances you can almost believe is real. You really could. But with Keyscape, whatever they've done, I don't know how they've done it, but um, every, I mean, I tried it with when it came on the day it arrived. I was there with not just the real piano, the C7, but also lots of electric pianos and the tack pianos and all that kind of thing. And it's the first time when I compared it to all my other electric piano libraries all the others you thought great what great libraries what great sample libraries they sound fantastic but you knew they were sample libraries whatever they've done with keyscape and i don't know how they've done it with the programming and the velocity switching and the you know um in the con you 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 would be you couldn't tell it wasn't real on so many occasions you're sitting there playing it and if you close your eyes it is the nearest thing you're going to have to actually playing that instrument and be completely convinced that it's real and That's i don't know impressive. how they've done it yeah i don't know how they've done it and i don't know how they've done it and got it down into 77 gig which at the time you know it seems a lot to, but compared to it yeah i mean the, the hans zimmer piano is 200 gig for one piano <laughs> you know so so Jeez. i know but it, i know but they've got into all these keyboards into 77 gig um, I don't know how they've done it. And it, it is an exceptional, exceptional product. If you just want keyboards, it's, mm. it is amazing. Okay, and that's fair enough, because I, I believe I made a slightly disparaging comment about it being sounding a bit clinical to me. And uh, Eric did actually contact me afterwards and say, what on earth are you talking about, man? That's what they sound like. No, This is exactly what I'm saying. This is exactly what I'm saying, because that's how C7 <laughs> sound. That's the thing. That's how a C7 sounds. Right. And it's, if you compare that to like a Bosendorf or a Steinway, they all sound completely mm. different. So, yeah. Anyway, there we go. Any other highlights? I think there was a couple of other that stuck out for me. Uh, that, actually, the RD700, the uh, hardware, didn't sound too bad as well. I thought that was pretty good for because that was one of the few hardware pianos in the collection that, well, you know, like the Motif was one, but that was a, a dedicated kind of piano. And I thought that sounded pretty good. And NI the Giant, I really liked. It just had a sort, it sounded like a piano on steroids, which I guess is what it is, mm -hmm. which is that, isn't it? That massive piano that's kind mm. of much bigger yeah, than it, it should be. It's like nine foot a nine foot upright or something that goes under the floor. I love that much, much bigger than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a great resource. And one I thoroughly recommend, especially if you're, you know, you're thinking I need a piano. I mean, you know, by all, it's definitely not exhaustive, but it's got, you know, it's, what it does give you is kind of maybe what to listen for if you like certain things. And that's something that uh, I thought was pretty cool. 
Uh, oh, yeah, Dave Spears said he couldn't make it here uh, this week, but he said uh, he has another one vote for Keyscape. He said he, uh, he, he'd lost his creative mojo a bit, and he fired up Keyscape, lost in the C7 piano for hours, uh, including the emotional piano, and mm. also Art Vista's VGP. Anyway, that was it. I thought I'd mention it. I guess, um, let's see, what else have we got? Oh, yeah, here we go. Let's try this one. This is something, and now for something completely different. Very different. Yes. Very different as in, there it goes. This is called, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, Juicy, Jussy, Emulator, Invoke, Juicy. Third time lucky. It's a very short video, this, but it's a, it's, it's a, I guess it's a modelled instrument, and it, uh, it models human voices, velocity to tone, ADSR control, so you get the uh, and the, the the pitch in and out of notes. A lovely demo. And sort of surreal sounding, not not like spot on, but just really interesting sound i thought and it's available for ios and vst and i think you know it's pretty cheap uh, and i just thought hmm that sounds interesting i'm going to go to you charles because you knew how to pronounce it so i'm guessing you might have something to say on the subject at least i'm hoping so yeah my instincts I are correct it. i love it i love it um <laughs> so uh yeah it's i think it sounds amazing i think it's one of those things i don't know if i would use it as a uh as a solo instrument you know but i but definitely like sort of building up pads of people you know so i guess what sort of what exhale is trying to do or what exhale is successfully doing um you know it, like whenever i track stuff like that i'll just i'll track one track and then i go back and just do the same thing again but with slight variation and so forth until it just sounds like i have a huge group of people and i think it's perfect for that sort of thing i love this type of stuff i love any kind of vocal processor that's why you know i mentioned before i love vocal synth because you can do so many cool things are you using it. are you using it on ios or vst uh, VST. And VST. how's the footprint? Because you say you go back and track and track and track. I mean, are you running multiple instances? Uh, oh, what was that? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> you just zoomed in suddenly. Oh, this is a, um, this is where you say something really important directly to the camera, right? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and now, a message from our sponsor. No, uh, you know, what I'll do is I'll actually, I'll, I'll actually track it in uh, audio-wise. Ah, okay. In fact, I do... I do that with soft sense. I do that with everything. I just I commit to a sound really early on, track it in, uh, I and I don't go back and fiddle with it later unless it just absolutely isn't working. So, um, but yeah, I, I'll just I'll track it in audio wise. So. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah I agree. It's got some really nice. Uh, I haven't had a chance to download it. I think it's like twelve ninety nine US dollars for the VST and four ninety nine yeah. for the iOS. I mean, it's pretty pretty cheap i mean in terms of uh, value for money gas you look like a man who's just just grabbed a version a copy of it and are holding it on your ipad <laughs> you're looking guilty <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just uh i've been meaning to get it um because uh clevgrand the swedish developers that's right uh, yeah. i would show I've the web page the... at this point but i'm afraid i can't <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've got the corv compressor which uh corv is swedish for hot dog and it's the one which you it's got a very, very simple graphical interface. And it's a funny little compressor. It's got a sound about it. I really like, really quite like it. So I was quite interested in this by the... Because they, they come at things from a slightly odd angle. Um, just looking at the app, though, uh, there's not a lot to it in terms of... Um, you've got a character, which is like a, 
I'm probably not gonna be, you're probably not going to be able to see this. Is that all no, just a whiteness? It is, kind of. If you hold it closer, the, uh, the auto, your auto thing, yeah, that's it. It's, it's just like a piece of paper. Yeah, few, and yeah. there's like a few XY pad controls. So there's a character, there's a, like a legato, uh, sorry, like a formant, uh, and then a throat control as well. <laughs> um, and sort of a... Oh, yeah, so throat makes it more kind of growly. More Tina Turner. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. I it's brilliant. Got, I, I imagine that into a, uh, a massive reverb about that long would probably sound really even better with all those harmonics. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. Excellent. I've sold on it already. Uh, Ty, <laughs> but, it's a, I know your sample library kind of dude, but uh, in terms of vocal uh, vocal emulation, I mean, because there's been a lot of these things and they they tend to be on the sort of cheesy side. You know, it, a lot yeah. of this stuff comes through from Japan, which has that kind of, because they're, they're actually going for articulation and vocaloid stuff, whereas this is something a bit more kind of unusual, right? So when, yeah, I, I mean, I tried, I experimented with the vocaloid stuff when it came out and um, and just lost patience with it to be to be honest, and uh, yeah, kind of walked away from that fairly quickly, just because the amount of programming that it actually took to get anything decent out of it was ridiculous. Uh, this is this is good. This is nice. I mean, I bought it when it you know kind of got announced, and uh, as long as you don't expect it to sound like a real voice, it's it's a nice little synth. I mean, I I got the VST version, and uh, yeah, it's it's. It's, I guess I guess sub- I, probably subtlety and texture is probably you can get some interesting harmonics in certainly in pads and that side of things where I think its strengths probably lie right. Yeah, you can. I think I think as a creative solo instrument tool, I think it's great. I think you know it is good. I think if you really want it to sound like a human voice, you're going to be you're going to be struggling. But I think, um, but no, I mean it's a nice little plugin for the price. I mean it's you know it's great. It's a it's a nice little bargain, especially the the iPad version, but. I mean the VST. Even so, but the VST. I think it was, as you say, fourteen. Fourteen bucks. Uh, yeah, yeah. 13, so it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's great. Just talking about vocal libraries. There's one if you really want a good one. Recommendation. There's a a girls' choir called Freya by um, Stresov sampling. I don't know if you're familiar with the Stresov. Um, they do lots of big kind of libraries, but they've just bought out a girls' choir. Uh, no, it's not girls' choir. The women's choir. Um, called Freya, which is a completely new level of sampling in terms of the legato, and it's polyphonic legato, and uh, it sounds amazing. I might have literally a... oh, no. amazing. Let's see, I might actually have some audio in this Freya. Let's see if it will play. Stress off, stress off sampling. Hey guys, George from Stress of Sampling here, and I'm really excited and proud. Oh, it's got that kind of. Um... It's very that, ethereal. That, that very kind crazy. of Eastern European um, cluster sort of sound that, that that they do so well. I guess it's used a lot for that sort of stuff. Absolutely, but it's uh, it's it's just it's just the realism of it is is like a, a step a step up in terms of sampling. It's uh, mainly because of the legato. It's beautiful. Awesome, so, awesome. Little tip. Right, I'm how is, uh, sorry. How is stress off spelled, by the way. You what? Stress off spelled. S T R E Z O V. But if you just type stress of as in S T R E S O V, it'll it comes up. That's that came up. Synthopia, top of the blooming SEO once again there. But uh, thank, <laughs> um, 
I will, uh, yeah, do check that out. That does sound quite interesting. Um, it's probably time for a message from our sponsors. Usually is. Oh, I pressed the wrong button. That's my fault, isn't it? Don't. How often does that happen? Isotope Vocal Synth, of course. Regular sponsors of the show. Uh, we're looking at Vocal Synth here, which has got a number of modules for processing vocal sounds. I'm guessing you could run all sorts of things through it. It's not limited to vocal. Harmonization, unison, octaves, tracking. There's also a vocoder. Classic kind of vocoder sound. Uh, there's also a CompuBox, which is a bit more kind of like singing singing Siri. Talkbox without the drips. And of course, put them all together and you get a lot of processing in one plugin. Some real classic sounds. If you want to check it out, go to isotope.com forward slash vocal synth. And of course, uh, we have got a competition this week. I usually show a screenshot at this point, but my, my screen capture thing didn't work when I had to reboot the system, so I do apologise. So I'll just have to say it enough times so that you can uh, get it. Uh, we did run a competition last week, and uh, we asked you to tweet the hashtag Sonic Vocal, Iconic Vocals and Vocal Synth to Sonic State and Isotope Inc. And we got a winner this week. Uh, he tweeted, maybe not Iconic Vocals, but Vocal Synth may help a little. Sonic State and Isotope Inc. And that's from Matt Live SE. That's Matt Live SE. Uh, the Twitter handle, I guess he's called Matt Live. Um, but Matt Live SE, it looks like Matt Livesey. But I, if you know, if, if it's you, you'll know that it's you that's won. So do get in touch. Um, we'll hook you up with Isotope and they'll give you your copy of Vocal Synth. So congratulations. And we also got a competition uh, again this week to win another copy. This week we're looking for the t- t- for tweet the hashtags Vocal Effects, as in Vocal with FX on the front, on the end of it, just the letter F and X. And the hashtag VocalSynth as one word to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. That's the hashtag VocalFX plus the hashtag VocalSynth to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. Once again, we thank you very much for the sponsorship of the show. Um, right, we did Juicy. We did, oh yeah, this was, this is kind of interesting. This is something that uh, Charles, you mentioned. years, people have built microphones. Legends have been developed. This is and the Lewitt. Generations of them have been introduced. But true innovation should always lead to LCT 640TS. So focus on the future. Which is a dual diaphragm. LCT 640 twin system. The true next generation studio microphone. Twin output, but you can change the pattern after the effect. I won't play the whole thing. I'll tell you what, I've been watching a couple of fishing programs on the UK kind of specialist channels recently, and that really sounds like the voiceover you get from a kind of fishing program. I'm not quite, they got the tone right there with that, but it's quite, it's quite unique. But a very interesting concept because it allows you to essentially kind of if you, I think, am I right in this, Chicky? You record both outputs, and then using mm. their polarizer plugin, you can then modify the polarity and effectively change the response of the mic in real time by running their plugin through running the mic channel through the plugin, which I'm guessing is a stereo channel. And that yes. seems like a pretty interesting, and uh, that's mm. quite unique. I've not seen that before, but you can run it as a single output mic as well, right? Yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, the the demos I heard of it, it sound pretty amazing. Like the one where they stick it down inside of the um, of the pinball machine and it, it record it in stereo. I, I guess I'm curious. I didn't see how you would connect it. You know, so yes, it has the an XLR and then it has a mini XLR. So that goes to an have, XLR. Yeah, you just stereo yeah, out. I think it's stereo. But I mean, you would have to make sure that you set it to two matched 
preamps. Yeah, I would assume because other. Yeah. I mean, like exactly mesh. Otherwise, the software means nothing. But um, that's a good question. But yeah, the, but it sounds like it sounds like a great idea. You know, I I, I love the idea of that, uh, and they're not that expensive. They're they're what uh, I think eight something. Ah, because I couldn't dollars. I couldn't find a price eight, for it. I mean, I saw some of their other eight, mics were seven hundred, eight hundred and seventy nine quid. I think I saw. Yeah, right for yeah. essentially two mics in one, which I guess. Yeah. You can't. And a decent, and a decent collection of uh, accessories as well. So it comes with like the yeah. the pop shield, like magnetic click on. And uh, yeah. I, I have to say, yeah, this is a very very nice looking mic. Um, I do a lot of recordings with mics, and I, I'm forever, you know, it's that committing to a polar pattern thing. It's sort of, um, I'm always, oh you know, wishing sometimes afterwards that I tried it, you know, in Omni and getting a bit more room into the sound. And so I think it's a, a fascinating idea that, that that is something that you can do after the fact. <laughs> and they demonstrate yeah. it in a very cool way on the video. I uh, don't know if I want to spoil the surprise. Actually, oh, with, but... the, with the bus. Yeah, that's good. That's <laughs> yeah. So they yeah. use a little, a little, a little um, toy bus that drives that's around the a record. In the middle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you one thing uh, that, that uh, it looks like. Also, you can slide. Be- you don't just go this pattern, this pattern. You can move between mm. them. So I guess if you're an Omni, you could sort of bring mm. it slightly in and get so a bit like a more C, room. like a C12, I guess, basically, because you know you can dial in uh, the the pattern and the, and there are variations between the Please. cardioid and and Omni and and figure of eight. So you can sort of dial in somewhere halfway mm. in between. Which which is really good because you know uh, generally speaking, uh, aside from the the room sound that you get, mics mm. like uh, what your U eighty sevens and actually your nicer mics like forty uh, sevens and so forth, yeah, you know, w- recording in Omni sounds better. It's just sonically, it's just better. Unfortunately, you have to make sure you're in a really good space to record that because you'll be also picking up that space. Mm-hmm. So you can you can sort of. I like the idea of like re- you know, so you record something and then you can go through and you can experiment and see okay well. Maybe a wide cardioid works really well for this particular vocalist, you know. But you don't have to decide and, and mm. have them sing something twenty times to to try to figure it out, because that's the thing I run into. Like I can't. I most of my sessions. You don't want to involved. lose the moment as well, do you? Really, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, when I have a client sitting behind me, you know, paying me, they they don't want me to experiment. They want me to to record to get it to get <laughs> it right the first time, and so something like this, I can sort of when they're not around, I can be experimenting with. I wonder which which position would work best for them. You know, That's I mean, a granted, good point. yeah, granted. If you know, if you place the mic in a bad place, it's gonna not be great either way. But uh, but yeah, this sounds great. And, and the comparisons between this mic and uh, and the mic that it looks a lot like, which is the four one four or four fourteen, as we say in the states, um, the is that apparently this mic is slightly brighter. And in saying that, that makes me go, okay, is this a Chinese mic? You know, because they do have this tendency to be a bit hyped on the high end. And it's not something I particularly like. I like adding high end later. I don't like to have it added in by the mic. But if it's only slightly, yeah, I can live with that. Because, you know, the 414 is a bit, a little bit of a dark mic. So, yeah. Dark, definitely. Be, yeah, it could be, I, this could definitely be a workhorse mic, you know? Yeah, cool. I, I'm intrigued, you know, when you're recording a vocalist who's playing a guitar at the same time and you spend a lot of time trying to get the null and, you know, of the, if you do, I sometimes will use, you know, figure eight and try and get the null 
the, the acoustic guitar part to kind of come into the null. Uh, and I'd just be really interested to see just uh, what it does to the spill, you know, just, just going through that degrees of, um, you know, changing just to see if you could reduce or it, it enhance the spill. You know, I think that's a really interesting aspect of it as well, because that is something that is that I'm forever struggling with, trying to get that 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 thing, you know, the two mic two mic situation on uh, so i think that's that would be a really cool use for it as well you know yeah just... yeah if it's if it's back rejection is fantastic then uh, on each capsule if the back rejection is great that would be that would be amazing this would this would be a, this truly would be a game changer mic mm. um I know, I, there, I, there's I, a word I don't you don't hear very often <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to speak in hyperbole but i know from all the all the recording work I do and all the live work I do, something like that would be amazing. It would really be amazing. You know, you could take just think about like if you because I I tend to like I, not too much. It depends on the act, but I like to sometimes stick a condenser mic on the top of a snare. So if you stuck that in, you're recording both both um, both capsules. So you got one capsule aiming directly at the snare, one capsule aiming directly at the hi hat above. Hi hat, okay. yeah. Yeah, so you got one mic getting both. How fantastic is that? It's like less cable. Mm, great. I'm that's pretty good. That. I don't know what I don't know what its maximum SPL is and stuff like that, but that's probably worth it. I know it's hundred and yeah, uh, plenty. It's really high. Ty, does this appeal to you? I'm guessing most of the time you're recording maybe single instruments, single voices in your facility. If you're doing recording there, right? Yeah, I am. But um, but even so, I mean, as a concept, as an idea, this is you know, yeah, it looks it looks. It looks great. I mean, I might check it out simply because as a, I mean, my main mic in the studio is a bottle and um, with all the different capsules. And so when I'm trying to get the right, you know, kind of the right sound and whatever, I spend forever just in and out, changing capsules around, changing, you know, kind of the environment, changing everything. If I, if I can start thinking about that, more of that after the event, that's going to make my life a lot easier. Yeah. And if it does sound, you know, like a kind of 414 but slightly brighter, I mean, that's I, I, I'm not a big 414 fan for exactly that reason. I was I was want it a bit brighter. So it sounds kind of perfect from that point of view. And I, I think anything that can I mean, there's this big thing with people saying you shouldn't be putting off decision making until after the event. And in a lot of ways, you're right. You know, I mean, there's no point recording 27 guitars tracks when you're only going to get down to two you know make the decisions early on but when it comes to things like this i think the more mm. options you have after the event yeah because that's the thing really. you can't chat and also if you're, pay, if, you're, if you're paying by the hour you know time is yeah, money yeah, <laughs> time is money <laughs> i think there is there is another nice feature in it that it's got a, a like a kind of uh, an led hold for um if the mic is clipped at all Uh, so it'll it'll flash it'll flash red if it's kind of clipping but if you don't see that flash you go and you long press on that on the button on it and and then it'll light up if if that it clipped so you know that i think that's really really cool that's handy you can see from a distance yeah that's a really neat idea then you'd have to do yeah that that's a cool idea then you'd have to get your uh so it's a lewitt dynamic they're austrian company by the looks of things i think it was austrian uh, it's uh, yeah. designed in Austria, probably, probably, I think, a Chinese manufacturing though. Okay, but, uh, but it's designed in Austria. Excellent, uh, Charles. You seem you've got you've gone a bit bit crushed. You might need to uh, uh, just. I, it's probably just a bit of uh, um, 
bandwidth hogging somewhere else in the building, I'd imagine. So, um, right, what else have we got? Um, how times have moved. I, this is actually really tricky because I was... Uh, hmm. this, yeah, this is... The, this is the first recording of computer-generated uh, music restored. This is by Alan Turing. Uh, it was done in 1951 at the um, Canterbury in the UK at uh, a, a university there. And that they found, going through the archives, this acetate of this thing, because he was uh, a very uh, um, influential mathematician, you know, uh, cracked the, the code for the, uh, gosh, the Enigma. Enigma. Uh, Enigma code, but also went on. And there's been lots of films made about him because he was also, you know, a, a big historic figure, also one of the f- first kind of very well-known gay men, I guess. I was, Am I right in that with the film where he got really badly... Uh, um, he got yeah. his knighthood kind of... T- he got all these honours t- given to him and then taken away. It was awful. He was treated appallingly. But they found this... Uh, this um, this recording of the first ever computer music, and it's. It, I'll see if I can play it. It, it. So first up, we get um, "God Save the Queen." Then there's some, a bit of. They've just been restored afterwards, and there's. Machine resented it. Hi, uh, hang on again. Machine's not enjoying this. It's gone. I really like the fact that the team are in the background there. You know, anyway, I should lift Jim. I think. Oh, there's more of it. I guess that was an abort. And various other, I mean, very sort of simplistic tunes. But part of it's, A, you know, considering how amazing that would have been at the time. Remember 1951. And also, you know, it took a room, a computer the size of a room to do that. And it just, it, it's a real kind of like, wait a minute, you know, and what have we just been, we've just been looking at the uh, the iPhone app that'll that'll emulate the human voice, you know, based on, on the, something <laughs> the size of a cigarette packet. But that's kind of... We sort of forget how important these trailbreakers were at the time. And I didn't realise, I don't know if you did, Ty, that Alan Turing had been working on computer music at all. It was a complete mis- you know, news to me. No, I didn't at all, to be fair. I mean, no, I think, I think you're right, though. I think 1951, so that's 60-odd years ago. And, you know, you try and think of any other period in music history where in the difference between that and 60 years later, where we are, in the bigger scheme of things, sixty years is absolutely nothing, and um, yeah, I mean it's just it's just incredible to hear. I mean, I think I've I've said again several times before. I'm really into nineteen fifties um, and sixties avant garde uh, computer music and, and music concrete and synth. You know, uh, that's my bag, and I really love all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of aware of the very basic techniques, but no, I didn't. I mean. I didn't have a clue about him being involved in it at all. No, but I mean, it's, it's, but as you said, it sounds awful in a kind of, it sounds awful to us now because of what we're used to, but just think what it must have sounded like then having a computer do that. It's, it's mind blowing to think, you know, what they, how they perceived it. Yeah, it's nice but, that it wasn't too heavily quantized as well, which is uh, it, was, it was quite off grid. <laughs> so, <laughs> so good on you. <laughs> I know it's yeah. it, it's it is interesting when you when you sort of suddenly take a stop and look you know this whole sort of march of technology and that that again it must have been very exciting times for them doing that but it's just surprising that it's only just come to light. Yeah, and uh, just all the background uh, that the the. the, the the lady with the very very english accent in the background uh it's really good fun isn't it just to listen to that recording just to hear the excitement it i guess there must have just been mike in the room uh, I'm, uh it, do we know do any photographs exist i was looking but i couldn't find anything uh 
in there at all and i couldn't show right. you now anyway but because of the the way that the system is set up but yeah I, no i couldn't find anything i think it was i mean I'm, they, when they found the acetate they tried to play it and they thought it was just completely knackered and there's no way but obviously it's been processed it, it sounds like it might have been a restorative thing maybe rx or some other things because you could imagine with something that simple and straightforward a lot of the fixing could have you know the spectral fixing and all that could have worked i mean it did have a, a cello like quality to it i suppose didn't it i mean it wasn't that it wasn't quite as uh, basic as you know perhaps other things but when you consider how beautiful some of the early electronic music instruments sounded at the time i was a bit disappointed i was expecting something you know but it's more the fact that it could do this because presumably that waveform was created in some form of code and then output somehow by the computer which is all the more remarkable Mm. considering but but i think that's what we're hearing though are we are we hearing it like uh, as are we hearing it coming out of a speaker and then a microphone pick that's oh, yeah, up the voice. I, that yeah. must have been. It must be. Yeah. It absolutely must be. Yeah. They hadn't invented you know, sound so- cards back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sound blaster yeah. didn't exist. There wasn't a USB <laughs> driver for that particular computer back in the 1950s. But but that's a bit of a shame in a way because we can't hear really what it sounded like. So you know, just uh, but even still, it's an it's an incredible historic record. And, yeah, absolutely, and- absolutely. And those, the, the, the Charles, those sort of things are, you know, sometimes, you know, when you hear that they really are, I mean, it's a shame that the audio couldn't be restored to, you know, or wasn't probably recorded at that high resolution anyway, but it would have been nice to hear that. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, I really, I like, I like actually like the sound that was over the microphone. I thought that was a really interesting tone. It sounded very boxy, which I liked. Um, and it reminds me, I built a, um, for Christmas, someone gave me this uh, synth that you build yourself, and it sounded pretty much like that you know you couldn't couldn't make couldn't alter the sound too much but it's a lot of fun to play and you know <laughs> i'll stick it on a track somewhere <laughs> do a little solo with it so we'll see absolutely um i will right let's uh let's uh, it might be worth Charles. i don't know let's see we probably uh this yes this was another thing i was going to again show a web page this was a post that i found on reddit which was uh a chap who said he'd found this uh jx3p in uh uh, uh a local store and he bought it and then had this sort of buyer's remorse but it was it was a there's a, an angle it's a chap called um what was he called he's called uh funty funties i think uh this is on uh, reddit synthesizers which is a great group for for all sorts of reasons it's worth checking out there i think i did an uh, ama um a couple of years ago on that actually and uh it, it, a lot of our stuff shows up there, so it's a really good group it's worth well worth subscribing to and he his whole thing was you know I bought it. It sounds great, but I'm really worried. It's like 33-year-old piece of technology. Maybe I should get rid of it because it might not last. And I hadn't really, you know, that's not usually the way around you think of it, unless perhaps you have a big collection and you realise exactly how much this stuff costs to keep going. I don't know. Um, I'll start with you, Ty. I mean, a lot of your stuff is more modern, isn't it? I mean, even your 55 is not an original 55. It's a rebuild. So I don't know whether you have the same kind of issues or whether you avoid vintage stuff for those very reasons, the fact that it is difficult to to maintain well, i've been there i've been there that's the thing i've been there where uh i had what was kind of more vintage stuff and i got fed up with the fact of it uh spending more time being repaired or being away and no, nothing nothing major in terms of i had nothing when i had the bigger stuff it wasn't vintage and then i kind of got rid of all that went complete digital bought bits of vintage it just became a pain in the ass. And and so that's why I kind of go more for personally for the more top end of the you know more modern stuff. And 
because a lot of people say, well, why are you spending, you know, like, for example, the modal stuff, why are you spending that kind of money on a modern polysynth? Why not buy a whatever? And these are all the reasons. I mean, last year, I almost, because, I mean, I've again, I've made it clear that the only synth I really would love, really, uh, that I don't have is a CS80. And last year, I almost bought one. I was in the position to buy one and almost did. And the only reason that I didn't was um, because of, I mean, yeah, space-wise, we'll forget that one, but it was reliability. And as Dave well knows, because I went down to see Dave's CS, and, uh, you know, when it goes wrong, moving those things, it's not fun. It's not fun. And they have to keep going back. And the moment you move them, you know, it will go out of tune or a voice card will slip out or something will, you know, they need to be looked after. It's like a vintage car. They need to be looked after. And so I didn't buy the CS80. And one day, hopefully I will. But that's the only synth. Other than that, there's nothing out there that really, really makes me want to have because of the, you know, the looking after. Yeah, I know, that, know a lot. Really. I mean, again, Dave Spears is constantly, you know, that when we when we talk to him in Synth Cave, you know, there's often, you know, this is ever changing topography of synths because ones at the when make. Was, when was the last time we looked at when Dave was on that we looked at Dave's setup and everything was in and everything was working? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, that's it, a fair it, point. And, and everyone I know with a big collection of vintage synths. That's how it is. Uh, that I can't, you know, there's other people I know where I don't think at any one point everything is working. There'll always be something that is down on that one or there's a voice card that's not on that one. I, and I've been through that and I, that's why I'm just like, now, no, I don't want to, you know, I don't want any other part of it. Every now and again, I'll kind of jump. But even then, I mean, I, I bought the Andromeda knowing that, you know, they're not the most reliable and, and that's kind of, that's not really vintage, but it's still however many years old so it's still on that point of every time i switch it on i'm not sure whether all the voices will you know but um it's like the only thing that i've really got that's like that now is my hartman the the neuron right where you know kind of the world knows that every time you switch a neuron on you have to cross your fingers and your legs you know and just hope that it will boot up this time um because they just you know drop like flies and you can't get them repaired and everything. Uh, but I, um I but I mean I can't imagine that people actually toured these things. You know, can you imagine going on tour with a CS eight? I mean I know, I know. Ch- Charles, I mean you've done a lot of front of house stuff. I mean, do you ever get that, you know, you go to the gig or you go to pre production rehearsals and they're there with something piece of equipment and you're just wincing thinking, Oh, that's that's not gonna turn out well. Maybe yeah. I can talk them into not taking that on the road, you know. Well by touring with OMG, those guys they just they tour with Phantoms because they've got everything sampled into the Phantom. It's just easier. The problem is Phantom takes a while to boot up. But we had um, we did a tour with uh, John Fox um, uh, a few years back, and so it was him with Hannah Peel, who's an amazing keyboard player and performer. Uh, it, the band was great, but you know she's up there with a MS20, an original MS20, and a few other pieces of kit. And then we also toured, well, you know, the Vile Electrodes guys. Yeah. So we were with them. It's like, <laughs> you look at the, they're on stage ring. It's just, it's just cables everywhere. And like, everything is, it's just, you just go at any moment, one of these things is not going to work. And I heard Mark say, yeah, that's kind of, that's the way it goes. But, um, 
But yeah, I, I love the sound of the original pieces, but I, yeah, I would never take that stuff live. You know, these keyboards I have here, um, I run into the same issue with them. They're, uh, they, like my Juno 106, I've had to have all the voice chips replaced. My JD 100, I've had to have I mean, it's it's digital, and I still had to have that thing completely rebuilt. Um, I've got a CZ 5000 and 1000 that are just basically inoperable now because of you know bad knobs, things just going bad. So I use virtual CV instead. You know. Yeah. But uh, it's it's all that stuff does age, and it doesn't age well. It's very tricky. So. Yeah, I like, I, like, I like new stuff. I guess that's the thing with guitars, though. And I, well, I suppose vintage amps definitely have a thing, don't they? I mean, I remember there was a bass player we used to get uh, used to come in to do golf rap sessions, and he'd bring in one of those uh, uh, flip top ampegs, the ones that B fifteen. Yeah, and and yeah. Uh, it was broken, but it was broken in a really brilliant way that made it sound amazing. <laughs> you know, so he would bring it along. He'd bring two. He'd bring one that worked, and this other one that just did what it did. That was a very unique kind of fuzz tone slightly broken sound i mean you don't get quite the same thing with guitars because you can always get the wiring redone and the pickups re- but i guess it's you know similar amount of hassle yeah i mean i often see fender roads out and about you know honer clavinets you know whirlies less often because whirlies are very very delicate but you know um those things are you can kind of uh you can fix them on the on the road Really, Do right. you know what I mean? Yeah, so, um, put a blob of solder on the tine and it'll get back in tune <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about uh, a few years ago. I had a Roland Gaia, which uh, is a much hated synth by lots of you out there, but uh, I think it's a really decent synth for what it is. Um, and that thing, we toured a lot with it, and it. I remember one time playing on a on a boat, and it was. And it lurched and the synth went flying off the stand and off the stage and landed controls down on the dance floor. <laughs> and you know what? Nothing was broken off it. Nothing. It was all, and it all worked perfectly. And I was thinking, cool. You know, because it's, it's almost like a bit like got a toy-like quality to it. But yeah, but man, it, you know, well, I guess, it's a fa- it hasn't got that much mass as well, which means it probably saved itself. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, pretty much anything else, uh, that been taking it. that sort of dive, you know, would be just smashed a bit. So, sounds, um, like, sounds like an yes. exciting gig, Gaz. Did it? Did, uh, <laughs> it sounds like if it if it if the boat was moving that much, Jesus, was that like capsized territory? <laughs> God, it was quite a big boat, but um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think it is. A, I think it is a, a valid point, um, and also you know it is a, a size thing as well, isn't it? You know, um, everybody moaning about like the boutique size, whatever. But you know, yeah, that's that, that, no that that brings a really interesting. If I might just come in there, um, we had Alex Theakston down from Source yesterday to shoot some videos uh, of something very exciting, but also just just some of the eventide pedals and putting set and he brought a model d reissue and we got it out of the box and it just looks absolutely massive i mean it's just 
<laughs> enormous you know the amount of space there is between all the knobs and you're just thinking wow that's not really a moog mini it's like a moog maxi it's so big and so sort of huge it, it seemed it, it, and because it was brand new you know you didn't immediately kind of think oh it's a moog it's a mini moog it's like that's a brand new synthesizer that's huge and weighs an absolute ton it sounded fantastic and uh, you know is a perfect replica and all those things but it just seemed so enormous so almost almost wasteful you know and it, I, I was thinking about it at the time it's like well they built that and obviously when they designed it i know it's a classic and everything but actually they weren't thinking about if we sell a lot of these it's going to be really expensive to ship them and the size of storage and all it was it's just none of those considerations but it was just quite an interesting thing sorry um ty you were coming in there no all i was i was only going to say i think the other difference is with vintage i think there's there's two ways of looking at it i think if you if you're a collector you know there are plenty of collectors out there and people who collect vintage since and that's that's fine. I think if you're running it as, if you're using them as instruments, in other words, you need to be able to switch it on every morning and it needs to work and yeah. it needs to function because you're going to use it. Or live, work. yeah, or live. Or live, absolutely. They're, I think they're two different things. And I think, you know, there's someone I know who's more of a collector. He doesn't do live stuff. He doesn't have any pressure. If something breaks down for him, it's just, oh, well, I'll get it repaired next month kind of thing. You know, it's no big deal. And I think in those terms, I can understand the appeal of that. I can understand, you know, I keep I keep having to not justify because I don't have to justify anything. But, you know, I keep having to say to people, I don't collect stuff. I don't, I know I buy lots of stuff, but I don't collect it. I, I buy lots of instruments that 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 I use, you know, kind of for, for work, and and that's what they are. And so that's why the vintage stuff is a, is a bit of a liability for me, yeah. uh, because I I made that mistake years ago where I was using lots of vintage stuff on day to day tracks, and you know tracks would get shaped uh, depending on what was working that particular morning, and <laughs> that's that's not good. Believe me, that's not a good situation to be. Keep in. you on your toes, so, though, I suppose. Well, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. But, yeah, but um, you don't really need that, do you? You don't no, need any. No, extra but if you if you if you're collecting, I can understand why people have the urge to collect all this vintage stuff because that's you know it, 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 let's let's be honest about this. The difference is a lot of synths from the seventies and from the seventies really they're beautiful bits of kit or furniture, exactly like you're on about with the Model D. You know, size apart, you look at it and it's a beautiful piece of not i don't say furniture because that's an awful thing to say, yeah it's a, but it's, it's, a a beautiful, it's, it's a beautiful it's thing. a beautiful bit of kit and you know kind of there's a lot of there's not that much that's coming out now that you can honestly say is a beautiful bit of kit there's you know i mean the system 55 doesn't count because that's just a real issue the schmidt is the you know the exception but there's not many bits of gear that are really genuinely just just to behold is a you know is a beautiful thing design classics so I, Design Absolutely. I, I, we so, probably should wrap up quite soon, but uh, you were going to tell us about the uh, Dreadbox Murmux because uh, we're all excited to hear because I, we all think it must sound fantastic. So do yeah. tell. Okay. Yeah. Well, I. Okay, I will. But there, there has to be there has to be a bit of because I said I wasn't going to. But okay, the, well, oh, but we basically, oh, well, if you if you're not comfortable, it arrived. Okay, it 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 arrived. There was a a slight problem with it. And so after one day, it had to go back. The first oh. thing I have to say is the first thing I have to say is the Dreadbox after service is exemplary. It is absolutely fantastic. We know they're a small company, and I was emailing and dealing directly with you know kind of Yanni and and uh, he it, 
it was amazing. Okay. So it's not with me right now. Oh, so when close. It, when it comes when it comes back, I'll show you. But the main thing is I did have one day with it. And apart from this little fault, which is an easy fault to remedy, mm. the sound of it is amazing. I mean, it's- absolutely incredible. Um, I, I had it up against the System 55, and it's different to the 55, but there's a lot of that character of having a lot of balls and a lot of rawness and a lot of um, there's the unpredictability of it. Uh, it's it's a bit like, imagine the Erebus. We, we wanted it to be the Erebus on steroids, basically. That's what we wanted. Mm. And it is that handsome. It's not just a glorified Erebus. It's, uh, isn't, you know. isn't, isn't that, though, a beautiful object? But the Erebus... No, the, no, uh, the, the, the mammoth. No, the mammoth. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it it is. The build quality is is beautiful. It really is. It really is lovely. It's it's the the it's the first thing that basically Anna, my other half, turned around in forever and went, "Oh, that's nice." Now she, I can't remember the last time she did that. But as I was packing it away for it to go back, she went, "Oh, that looks nice." Mainly because it's you know kind of black tweed and. But it yeah, it is that it's. It's very desirable. It's really desirable. And you, and you feel the same way about the sledge, do you? Go. All the chicks dig the sledge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to get if you want to get some action, get yourself a yellow sledge. I tell you, they'll be all over you. <laughs> but I've got a black one behind me. Oh yeah. And you know the that once you go yeah, back, the black one back? is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What about my console? My console's like it's got wood. It's really lovely. It's nice. Uh, there are cute. way too many euphem- uh, euphemisms going on here. I think I might have to step in as chair of this uh, this organization or lack of organization and, and perhaps uh, bring things to a close. Thank you very much. Tom. I can't wait to hear it. And I, I hope you get it back very soon because, uh, yes, excellent. It's, it's, I'm, they're going to turn it around incredibly quickly. And, it, you know, it's not, it's not their fault. It was, it was just one of those things. But, you know, it is a, it's a beautiful bit of kit. The moment it's back and I come on, I'll, um, I'll show you it. But, it's, yes, it's, it's something quite special. Excellent. Can't wait. Can't wait. Okay, well, uh, that's it for this week. I just want to say before we go, I should just mention the Isotope competition again. If you want to win a copy of Isotope's Vocal Synth, uh, what you have to do is tweet uh, the following. You tweet the hashtag Vocal Effects. That's F and X at the end of Vocal. Vocal Effects and the hashtag Vocal Synth as one word as well to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. That's Vocal Effects and the hashtag Vocal Synth to Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, then you will be entered for the competition. We do uh, appreciate their sponsorship and thank you very much to them. And uh, we'll just say goodbye to everybody. Thank you very much, Charles. We're not going to see you for a while. You're off to do uh, work, presumably. <laughs> yeah, I've got to work for a bit. Um, I've got a big session that's coming in for a while. Yeah, but uh, I will I will try. I will endeavor to get back as quickly as possible. So, Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. And, of course, uh, Mr. Gaz Williams over there in Bristol. Uh, see you soon. We're, in fact, we'll be publishing yep. the um, – uh, what is it that we're publishing soon? The uh, instrument. That's right. Yeah. I, I knew I'd remember somehow. What was that on your head? You were looking – The Little Waves NX Head Tracker. Oh. Have you been playing – have you had fun with it? Uh Yes, I'm um, just it's early days. Uh, yeah, that's you have to, it, it, it is quite funny that the sound is moving when you move your head. Uh, not at the moment, I should add. It's because uh, you have to strap it across your 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 mix bus. But um, 
It definitely, <laughs> it's it's intriguing. I I'll I'll have to come back to you on this one because it's. Uh, oh, I'm well, gonna have to see how the mixes how the mixes translate. Really, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that it's just gonna. Because I love working at night with headphones, so I'm hoping that it's gonna mean that uh, I can, you know, do a lot more mixing that works through speakers. You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, good luck with that. that well, okay. thank you very much, Gaz Williams. And finally, we'll say thank you very much to Ty Unwin and a big uh, um, respect to your family for letting you disrupt the network so that you can join us. Very much appreciated. It's fine. It's fine. It's always good to be on. Okay, well, like I say, that's it for this week. I was going to finish with it because I've got this... Uh, I was going to do it at the beginning of the show, so I might just play out with a bit of this just because I can. Uh, which is the... Uh, I've got basically the Pittsburgh SV1 here, Life Forbes SV1, which I've done a review on. I'm going to do another video, which is just a few more sounds. But I found this... I made this patch, which uh, has got uh, an oscillator... Tuned to A... Try and tune it, obviously, in a lot of reverb. Try and get it in tune. The sub-octave. And the A is fixed. And I'm using the CV to play the top oscillator and in a Mr. Robot style. And it sounds lovely. Although it's actually A flat. Okay, Mr. Perfect Pitch. <laughs> what? I, I don't see yeah. it. Right. Yeah, it doesn't have a tune. Like, it's A flat. <laughs> I've got a bit of uh, pulse width modulation on one of the waves. And I've got a bit of sample and hold. And the other thing that's really cool about this, I figured out, because I've got the, there's a freeze reverb in the XR18. So I've written, uh, you can send program changes to the XR18 where you switch the freeze on, off, and it does, when you change patches on the, it doesn't reload the effects. So I can, so I've now got that frozen reverb. So if I turn the synth down, that's just that into the reverb frozen. And another patch that changed the send, so I'm not adding to the frozen reverb. Cool. I take the frozen reverb off, it dies away naturally. Ah, that's cool. Nice. So that's one way. Excellent. So if you want to build up drones and you're worried about it, you just need to save the patches and then record. And that's just sending program changes. There's no editor involved in that. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for watching. See you next time.